here we are. <laughs> We're in April. We have a new month. We have a new theme. The power of vulnerability. Great. <laughs> we just finished cultivating authenticity. There was a lot of vulnerability in there. And now we're taking a deeper dive, right? We are at the place, really, where these things intersect, right? We're at the place where vulnerability and, and, and authenticity are intersecting. In order to, cre to cultivate, in order to cultivate authenticity, we have to muster up the courage to be vulnerable, to put ourselves out there, um, that's the power of vulnerability, right? And that is this month's theme. That is the power of vulnerability, to be able to muster up the courage and put our authentic selves out there and surrender to the truth of ourselves, to be our whole truth out in the world. So that's what today's talk is, into your hands. Into your hands, and that is surrender. But it is surrendering to the truth of ourselves. It's not like you know, sending up the white flag, you know, it's not like a, I give, I give. It is surrendering to a greater idea of, of yourself, you know, and, um, and Ernest Holmes, Ernest, I love this talk, Ernest Holmes gave a talk uh, on his radio show, this thing called Life, this was April 30th of 1950, and he said, uh, and actually, and I love the title, the, You Are Important to God was the title of the talk, I love it. He said, think of yourself as being in partnership with this divine presence and its creative law. Learn to trust the presence as you trust the simple fact that you are living. Don't be afraid to throw yourself with complete abandonment and with perfect acceptance into its soft embrace, for it is closer to you than your very breath and nearer to you than your hands and feet. It's right where you are. So it's becoming aware of that, becoming awake and aware of that. And Palm Sunday, I love, I love the whole Easter story, but Palm Sunday is a great opportunity to speak to the vulnerability, the intersection of authenticity and courage, because Palm Sunday is the story of Jesus' journey into Jerusalem, right, where he enters into the city, into his destiny, right, and into Holy Week. This is the day that begins Holy Week, as we know it, here we are 2,000 years later. But it's about authenticity. It is about surrender. It's about stepping into the greatness with courage and with humility. And it's a great story. It's a terrific teaching about the human journey, which is what all of those sacred scriptures are. They are about us. They are about each, each generation that reads it. What we, this is what we love about ancient scripture, right? Is that it so perfectly details the life of the human, whether it is the Torah or the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Apocrypha, you know, the books that were between the Old Testament, they don't belong anywhere. They're just those books that are between the Old and the New Testament. The uh, Tao, the I Ching, whatever we read, the Quran, any of the ancient writings, the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedas, they are all telling us the same thing. Whatever we look into, you know, the value of them is not their historical accuracy, but what the stories give to us, how they interpret, how we interpret these ancient guides to living, really. It's about understanding their wisdom and their guidance. And, and I love the fact that Years and years ago, when they told these stories, before they were even written down and they were orally said from one generation to another, many of the storytellers in that area of the world would begin with, 
Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. It's the story that counts. And then they would go into the story. And we need to understand that as well. Right? This whole idea of the inerrancy of the Bible. Sorry. But that was just a reaction to the European Enlightenment where Calvinists pushed back and said, no, 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 no science. It's all about God. It's all, you know, it, and this is the actual factual thing that God did. And it really wasn't. It's a relatively new interpretation, that inerrant word of God thing. They were stories. They were meant to, to share a, a universal truth. And I love that about them. The value of those ancient scriptures and texts are how do we reply it to our lives now? How do we apply it to our life now? And the Palm Sunday story is fabulous because it is really rich in symbolism and it's got a story to tell us. You know, Bethany is where really the Palm Sunday story begins, right? Out of town. They're not in Jerusalem yet. They're in Bethany, which um, means the house of figs, but also un unripened figs. So Bethany stands for potential. That's its, its meaning, is, is potential. Jerusalem, the city of peace, that's what it means. And then his interactions with Martha and her, and her sister Mary, you know, they were the sisters of Lazarus, right? Martha was the outer driven, our ego self, the doer. And Mary was the inner, represents our, our, our intuition. Lazarus, of course, you know, the dead guy. Lazarus was, was the sleeping unaware of our divinity. He was the unconscious. And I know you know these people. You probably go around and shop with them in the supermarkets. They're the ones that bang into you with the card. You know, the ones that are sleepwalking through life, right? Lazarus represents those, the, the unconscious among us. Now, Ernest Holmes in a, in a Holmes Reader for All Seasons says, under some condition, we shall awake from our sleep. This is the meaning of the saying, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. The Christ consciousness will give you light. And that's what Lazarus represents in the story. That Jesus calls him forward and, and, and he awakens into the Christ consciousness, into the higher vision of himself, the higher version of himself, the Christ consciousness within him that he really truly is. And, you know, when you come right back to it, I think, and I don't know, but I think according to the other ancient writings that probably Jesus discovered all of these rituals by way of the mystery schools in Greece. He probably went there and learned a lot of that. And the coming forth into the new light, the welcoming Jesus, uh, Lazarus into the new life was probably an initiation ritual into uh, Jesus's mystery school. But we won't even go there right now. <laughs> but this is the spiritual path that we are on, right? This is our spiritual path, awakening. You know, you come to a center like this, and it's like, ah, there's a new way to look at this stuff. I love this. And this is what we're doing. We're awakening to our inner divine nature when we are called by that higher self within us, that inner Christ consciousness to wake up, wake up. You know, and then later on in the story, Jesus tells his disciples to go down and, and get that little colt, right? You know the story where he rides it on a colt. Get the little colt and bring it to me. I'm going to use that. So back to the symbolism of this thing. He didn't choose a camel. The reason he didn't choose a camel is because camels were symbols of the wealthy, the privileged rode on camels. So he on purpose didn't teach, you know, didn't take that. He didn't, notice he didn't ride in on a horse. Because horses were animals of war. They, they, you know, were in front of chariots. 
armies rode on horses into battle. So they were war animals. He didn't choose that. He rode a donkey, right? A little donkey. Jesus represents our Christ consciousness, the higher of us, right? That highest ideal within us, that lives within us, our Christ consciousness. The donkey, our human self, right? Our, our human ego self, if you will, right? This, this human body. And together, they represent the spiritualized human being, right? You have the divine consciousness in the human body, awake and aware of its spiritual truth. So there you have Jesus riding in on the donkey. And you notice, we don't eliminate our ego, right? Jesus never got rid of the donkey. He didn't get rid of it. He kept it. Just like we invite our ego along for the ride. We just don't let it run the show, right? We just don't. So there is all of this symbolism in this story, in this Palm Sunday story. We haven't even gotten to Jerusalem yet, you know? It's, I just love it. Anyway, so on the journey from Bethany to Jerusalem, you remember Jesus passing the fig tree? Yeah, he passed the fig tree. Great symbolism there. It was a cautionary tale. I think Jesus was feeling a little peckish that morning, right? Wanted a little snack. So he approaches the fig tree, and the fig tree had lots of leaves, but no figs. No figs, just leaves. And in an act of frustration, or maybe he was just hangry, right? You know how we get, you know how we get a little hungry, angry thing going on? He curses the fig tree. May no one eat fruit of you again. Right? That's it. That was kind of a little, you know, hissy fit. Next time the group passes by the tree, it's all dead and withered. And could you imagine what the disciples were like? Don't, don't get them mad, you know? <laughs> like, whatever you do, don't get them angry, right? But it is the first, and I think might be only passage in the Bible where uh, Jesus uses this power within him, this spiritual power and the law for destructive instead of constructive purposes. I think it's the one and only place in the Bible where he does that. And it's a fascinating story. And here it is, it's telling us something. It's one of the greatest lessons along our path, isn't it? This idea that since we are one, we cannot do harm to something else without harming ourselves. Right? It's, it's also teaching us the law doesn't care what you put into it. We always say the law is impersonal and, and uh, infallible. It works all the time for everybody using it. It does not care what is put into it. It does not judge what has been put into it. So it's really a cautionary tale for us. So powerful are we, right? We don't even realize, but so powerful are we, so immersed in this universal intelligence that we can use this spiritual power for destructive instead of creative purposes as well. And we must be aware and awake of that, right? Because there are no others. Our, our core concept one is God is all there is. So, so we have to give up on getting back or revenge or any of those thoughts because they absolutely are hurting us, right? We cannot hurt anyone else without hurting ourselves. Spiritual maturity on this path allows us to let go of destructive ideas, of that whole getting back or revenge nonsense. As we integrate our humanness, 
Remember the donkey and the Christ consciousness. That's all we are. We're a bunch of asses, you know. Anyway, when we, when we put those together, we have this human body, we have this divine consciousness within us. When we integrate that, we let go of those lower feelings. We let go of this idea of getting back or revenge. Oh, with the Christ consciousness, we hold people harmless all the time. We hold people harmless. We see people as God sees them. So let's go back to the, the Palm Sunday story, right? So Jesus enters the temple. We know that story as well. Finds the money changer, changers. They're there to sell doves and, and small little animals for sacrifice, right? Because that, that's what they did at that time. It overturns the tables, the whole bit. The idea of the sacrificing of the pigeons or the small animals or whatever they are, remember, that's superstition, that idea of this ritualistic thing was superstition, conducting spiritual events at the physical level, like the, the animal was stepping in for something else. And really, it goes back to pagan sacrifice. That's all that was, this practice, this pagan sacrifice of the, was called the blood sacrifice. Something had to bleed and die in order for God to be good to us. Right? In order for God to uh, make the water flow or make the crops go or to keep us from getting ill. It was all superstitious ritual to protect us from getting harmed or hurt or starving to death or whatever. And isn't it ironic that the Jesus story became the example of the most extreme pagan blood sacrifice? Right? that the, that the uh, Christian religion just incorporated it in, and incorporated this pagan ritual into the Christ story. But that's Easter, and I'm not going to talk about that because that's next week. <laughs> but we recognize the inner and the outer lives right, of humans uh, that, that we are. We recognize the Martha and Mary of ourselves, right? the inner, the, the intuitive, and the outer, the doer. We recognize that this is part of our human life. And, and then we awaken to our spiritual nature like Lazarus was awakened. We, are, we awaken to our Christ consciousness within us, and we are called forth to our own higher nature, our Christ consciousness. And then as the awakened beings we are, we integrate the human nature, the donkey, with our divinity, the Christ consciousness, and we ride into the city of Jerusalem. We ride into the city of peace, our own state of inner peace while we navigate the human natural world. This is the whole idea of being on the spiritual path, is to, is to integrate your spiritual nature with your physical body, to navigate the, the human world that we live in and not get, not, not get drained by it, right? Not get drawn down by it, but to, to ride into it in, in that state of peace. It is the underlying and universal appeal of all of these scriptural stories how we can incorporate them and use them as guidance for the life that we're living now. As we surrender to the greater good of our lives, the higher consciousness, the spiritual self of us, we trust. We let go of what is holding us back. And, and we know with faith, we know, we don't hope and we don't suspect, we absolutely know that spirit has our back. 
we have to trust that. We just, into, into your hands, you know. Spirit knows more than I do. And we must trust with faith and complete assurance that Spirit's leading the way. Spirit has our back. Spirit's leading the way. It all comes out okay. You know it all comes out okay in the end, right? <laughs> always does. I'll read the end of the book. It always comes out okay. And as we surrender to that, we know with absolute trust and faith that we can surrender into this greater good of us. It is the greater good of us. And finally, we do away with the superstitions, with the belief in duality. We come to realize, hmm, we come to realize that we're not broken sinners who must atone for some ancient sin we never committed. Thank you. That is a false narrative. God is the good we are, and we know that. God is good, and there is no other power opposing it. No devil running around trying to lure you to the dark side like Vader, you know? It's like just not happening. There is nothing to fear. With God on your, you know, with God on your side, we are God and company. When you have surrendered to this greater good that you are, you are in alignment with these, with these spiritual principles. There is nothing opposing that. There is no dark, dark side running around trying to lure you away. You are that. You are truth. You are love. You are spiritual in nature. You are the, the truth of you is spiritual. You are, you are an activity of God. And there's nothing else true about you. And when we get that, when we incorporate that into our livingness, we know there is, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to atone for. There is nothing to fight against. There's nothing to overcome. We are simply that in the world. Because there is no other. There's no other. There is spirit individualizing itself as each one of us. And that's it. Ernest Holmes said, we should come to the realization that the presence greater than we are is cooperating with us, which it most certainly is. And therefore, we must cooperate with it. And our cooperation is simple. Believe in it, trust its guidance, and accept its expression through us. So that's your homework for this week. I'll see you on Easter. <laughs> Thank you.